Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Lots of people are looking for a Savior, as they always have. And lots of them will eventually find one in various shapes and descriptions as they conduct their very earnest searches. Sometimes they will cling to their Savior for a while, only to be disappointed when it doesn't pan out to be quite like they expected or wanted. Sometimes they'll shift their attention and their loyalties to new saviors, or they'll stick with the old ones and they'll simply modify their expectations so that they can get a good fit. It goes on all over the world, on every continent, and across every time zone. As a matter of fact, it goes on in every single human heart. Even among those who are aware of Jesus, the looking, or at least the continual shift of expectations goes on. If you're looking for Jesus today, you'll certainly find several different expressions of him. Some prefer a Jesus who will make their lives more comfortable and more successful. There's a Jesus like that. He'll give you family harmony and financial prosperity. All you have to do is follow the guidelines on this DVD that they'll be happy to send you for a donation of $50 or more. Others want a more personal Jesus, a Jesus that's going to help them feel emotionally enriched, at peace with who they are, and help them live lives of quiet strength. A Jesus who will help you pull out that power from within you to overcome your doubts and your weaknesses, to bring your mind and your body and your spirit all into balance so that the world around you doesn't get you down. Still more, one a Jesus who is very tolerant and completely open-minded. This Jesus looks on with a pleasant smile as people express their own beliefs in their own ways. Never mind what God has revealed to us in his word, they say. Their faith doesn't revolve around, thus says the Lord, but rather upon, well, what I think about Jesus is, dot, dot, dot. So long as they have a desire to be sincere and want to build a strong relationship with the divine, their Jesus doesn't care if they worship at a church or in a synagogue, at a mosque or even at a bonfire, out in their bass boat or riding in a golf cart. This Jesus hears all prayers, even those prayers that are offered up to trees or carried through the channels of false self-proclaimed prophets. This is an equal opportunity, politically correct Jesus. All roads, all beliefs are equally valid and perfectly acceptable. If any of these sound familiar or attractive to you, you're not alone. Whether it's Jesus as life coach, Jesus as spiritual guru, or Jesus as group hugger, people everywhere build up their own ideas and their own expectations of just what it is they want and need from a Savior. But no matter which Jesus you choose or design or build for yourself, you're going to be getting the same thing. A false Jesus. A Jesus who isn't the son of God, but the son of perdition. A Jesus who was conceived not by the Holy Spirit, but by lies. A Jesus who was not born of the Virgin Mary, but was born of the harlot of hell, Satan himself. The devil has a lot of tools, 
But one of his most successful tools is to wear the mask of the false Jesus. A Jesus that people want rather than the Jesus that people truly need. And Satan is quite happy with those who believe in the false Jesus. In fact, for him, it's just as good if someone doesn't believe in Jesus at all. There's really no difference between the two. There is only one Christ. There is only one Jesus. And there is only one Savior. But the world is full of imitations. And each and every fake Jesus will be more than happy to take your hand and to walk with you and to talk with you and to lead you safety, safely and comfortably down the path to the end of the world when you hear those words, Well done, my good and faithful fool. Spoken not by the Father in heaven, but by the devil below. When Jesus asks his disciples in our gospel lesson for today, Who do people say that I am? They provide him all sorts of different answers, don't they? Maybe he's Elijah, returned from heaven, since that prophet was known not to have died a natural death. Maybe he's John the Baptist, somehow miraculously released from prison and restored to life, preaching that same gospel of repentance and forgiveness. Maybe he's some other prophet, finally come to Israel after an absence of hundreds of years. But put on the spot, though, Peter confesses with all of those who know the true Jesus and what they confess. You are the Christ. And so he is. He's not the Jesus of many faces, of false faces. He's the Jesus of one face, the face that nursed at Mary's breast, the face that came up from the Jordan River, dripping with the water when he was baptized into fellowship with us all, the face glowing with the glory of the eternal God upon the Mount of Transfiguration. It's also the face that is set toward Jerusalem, the face that will be kissed by Judas in Gethsemane, the face slapped by the Jews at his trial. His face would be spit upon by the ungodly, defiled. And finally, his face will be splattered red with his own sacrificial blood that dripped from his brow, pierced and torn by a mocking crown. This face, and only this face, is the face of God that saves you, that forgives you, the face of God that shines upon you and gives you peace. This face, and only this face, is the face of God that was preached by Peter and by Paul and is preached yet today in the faithful church. For the church proclaims that this face of Jesus is the only one that truly provides for the needs of everyone. This isn't welcome news to many. It's enough to cause anger, in fact. It's as scandalous today as it always has been to be so particular about Jesus, to be so narrow of mind. Christians have the audacity to say that this is, it is this face and it is this name, Jesus, that is the only one by which we can be saved. This exclusivity is not the inclusiveness and the happy harmony that many so-called spiritual people want to hear. Preaching that Christ alone saves sinners makes some people roll their eyes and other people shake their fists. But Jesus is the only face of God that we can know. In Jesus alone do we have forgiveness. In Jesus alone is there a way out from under the shadow of death, the only way to escape the deceptions and the dead ends that the devil throws at us and that would lead us into hell's eternal blackness. We preach Christ crucified, Paul wrote, a stumbling block to Jews 
and foolishness to the Gentiles. And so it remains. These are the words printed in God's holy scriptures and placed into the mouths of God's messengers yet today. We preach Christ crucified. These words are as sweet as heaven, but as bitter as hell. Their sweetness comes from the fact that in hearing and digesting them, you taste the sweetness of the honey of salvation. But they may give you a bitter taste along the way. For in taking these words and in chewing upon them throughout your earthly life, you will continually be at war with the world of men and against the power of the devil. They both hate what these words say. And even Peter can't accept them at this point in Jesus' ministry, can he? Jesus throws all of his cards down on the table. Suffering, rejection, death, then resurrection. Peter folds. He takes Jesus aside. He rebukes him for making such an awkward, unpopular statement. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus replies. An uncrucified Christ. Well, that sort of Christ Peter can accept. You can accept, and the world can accept. There's a certain seductive attractiveness to a Christ like that. But that's a temptation that will lead only to death. For it's just another way of saying, did God really say? It's a temptation that wants us to be silent about the crucifixion and to steer clear of the scandal of the cross. Sure, we could pretty up Jesus if we want to. We could turn him into a very cuddly and huggable precious moments figurine. We could dress Jesus up in always pleasant top 40 music and cool pop culture terminology and appeal to those who prefer shallowness and entertainment to substance and truth. We could hand out Christ's body and blood to just anyone, regardless of what they believe. We could even hold hands and pray with those who reject those faiths that would require a crucified Christ. But if you uncrucify Jesus, if you hit the rewind button on the drama and the horror of his passion and his death, you can package a Jesus which makes it easy for people to accept him, a Jesus that appeals to a broad segment of society, and a Jesus who is politically correct for all of his openness and his tolerance of all beliefs and all lifestyles. That would be a very easy gospel to preach and an easy gospel to believe. And it would be an easy gospel to live, too. And many people do flock to such a gospel all around us in the world nearby. There's only one problem with that gospel. It's not the gospel that saves. It's not the gospel that the church is called to proclaim now and to the end of time. The gospel that saves is a bloody gospel, dripping from the brow and the hands and the feet and the side of your Savior, the one and only kind of Jesus. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Here, sinners, is your life. Here, church, is your gospel. The Son of Man must suffer many things because the God of love will have it no other way than to reclaim you. He won't leave all of his Adams and Eves exiled from paradise. He won't let Abraham plunge that blade and end the life of his promised son, the seed and the child of hope and of laughter. 
He won't leave Joseph down in the pit of gloom where he was abandoned by the other sons of Israel. God's love is a love of rescue, and it comes to rescue you. The Christ will suffer many things, indeed. He will suffer them all for you. So bring on the bloody sweat. Bring on the vinegar and the gall. Bring on the hands that bind, the hands that slap, the hands that nail, and the hands that bury. Bring on the lies of the priests and the mocking of the crowd and the silence of heaven. He suffers many things. For the joy set before him, he endures it all. He endures it all for you. In your salvation is his joy. In his rejection, you will find acceptance by the Heavenly Father. In his death, you will receive life. In his burial, your sin is swallowed up into the ground like that golden calf in the desert, the stranglehold of death broken forever. Sin and death and hell will have their day, it will seem. But it only seems. In reality, the crucified Christ destroys their power forever, bringing you to forgiveness and life and everlasting joy. This, then, is the gospel. There aren't any others, for only this gospel is necessary. When Jesus ascended back into heaven, he didn't leave behind business managers or pop culture psychologists or group dynamics counselors or diplomats to carry on his work. He left behind apostles, sent ones, equipped with his word. Into their hearts and into their minds and out of their mouths flowed that holy gospel, the very blood of his sacrifice. And in their preaching and in the conveyance of his word to that generation and to every generation now until the end of time, the blood of this gospel, the sacrifice of Christ crucified, was sprinkled upon and spread on all those who would hear it. In that blood is your life, for you, for your family, for the Christian church, and for all the world. This blood is for you. Every drop of it is an ocean of forgiveness. It washes you into a bloody cleanliness that protects you, like the blood of that Passover lamb that was put on the doorpost of the Israelites in Egypt. It is sprinkled upon the altar of your heart and upon the mercy seat of your soul in the temple of your body a body that is now God's own, so that you can enter the Holy of Holies in the Jerusalem yet to come. This blood makes devils retreat. This blood moistens the lips and softens the parched throats of those who thirst for righteousness. It quenches and extinguishes the fire of sin within your soul. It is the blood of the church. It is the blood of the cross. It is the blood of the one and only true Jesus. In his holy name, amen. amen.